Well, good morning. How you doing this week? I hope you're doing well. I, I sense the presence of the Lord in this place, and it's good to be with you this morning. It's good to worship with you and to hear the words of praise lifted to our Father, lifted to our Lord and Savior this morning. So it's, uh, it's good to be with you. Um, I, my name is Pastor Trent. I am also a pastor of this church. I want to say thanks uh, just to the praise team for setting the stage for this service, for God has been worshiped today. And we could go home right now and been, have been to church. But I got something to say, so let's stick around. Um, also, thanks to Pastor Dave um, for allowing me, me this privilege to uh, lead and worship this way um, and to bring the word this morning. Um, there's, a, there's a pastor I admire and respect who says there are, there are two weeks in the church calendar year that are dangerous to preach. Two weeks that are dangerous to preach. The first is Palm Sunday. First is Palm Sunday, and the second is the Sunday before the 4th of July. Okay? Um, And you say, what do those two have in common? Palm Sunday and the Sunday before the 4th of July, at least in America, um, always tend to lean toward politics. If you think about Palm Sunday, if you think about what's happening to Jesus in that moment, it's a very political situation. He's coming into the city. He's being celebrated. Everybody's like, yeah, sorry, Bruce, that might happen a couple of times. He's coming. The Messiah's coming, and Israel's going to have its day back, okay? It's a very political thing that's going on. The Sunday before the 4th of July, um, can be the same way. Now, now I tend to lean away from those things um, just as my own personal, my own personal um, preference uh, because I don't think that this place is a place really to, to lean too heavily into politics. Um, and yet, all that we do is fairly political. All that we do involves other people, and they're watching us, and they're with us. And so uh, what do we have uh, as a responsibility as Christians in America to do about this thing we call America? We sing America the beautiful, and it is a beautiful, messy place. And so is the church, a beautiful, messy place. Uh, And so it's dangerous. And so I stand before you. I'll probably say some things I regret, um, and you'll call me on them, and we'll just still be friends, and we'll still love each other and it'll be good. Um, so uh, kind of fun fact, the last five weeks we've preached from, or you, Dave and I have kind of teamed up over the last five weeks, we preached from Ephesians 2, and then 4, and then 3, and then 6, and then 1. And for those that are not keeping track, that leaves 5. So I thought, hey, let's just preach from Ephesians 5 and see where that takes us, and you'll get all of, you'll get all of the chapters of Ephesians uh, in through this, this last six weeks. Um, and so one of the things that um, we did for the core guide, so I don't know if you guys have, have, all of you have seen this, I know many of you have, but this is a core guide that we hand out each week. And turn to Friday. Turn, I'm giving you warning because this is going to take a little time, so you need to set, a, set aside some time on Friday. On Friday, what are you supposed to read? Ephesians. So it's kind of a review of the last six weeks. Um, and I want you to just spend some time with the whole 
letter. I think sometimes we chop up the God's word into little bits and pieces um, and, and deal with it as, as a whole letter and just read through it. We've spent now six weeks talking about the book of Ephesians, a chapter per week um, and kind of in a random order. Sorry about that, but it's, it's okay. It's, it's where we were led, but uh, I want to, I just want to give you that chance. Um, so Ephesians 5, I was looking at Ephesians 5, and there's lots of dangerous things to talk about in Ephesians 5, if you know Ephesians 5. So I thought I could really get myself into trouble and go towards the, the end of the chapter, right? It starts like this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We could skip that verse, but here we go. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. And then I thought I couldn't have Lynn here. She'd have to find somewhere else to go to church. So I, just, I skipped that, and I said, let's, not, let's stay away from that and uh, do something else. Um, but instead of doing that, um, we're going to read a, a portion from the earlier section of chapter 5. Now, the passage, if you have the NIV translation, the passage is going to look a little weird. It starts right in the middle of a paragraph. Um, And I'm actually going to be reading from the NIV, but I I got this passage looking at a different translation, uh, the Common English Bible, and this section is its own little subtitled section of Scripture. Um, You know, how they kind of break up the words and they put a heading in there. Um, That wasn't in the original text. It was just a letter, okay? I think the people who wrote the Bible didn't know they were writing the Bible when they wrote the Bible. I think they were just writing a letter. Not sure about that. But anyway, uh, so today where we're going to start is Ephesians chapter 5. If you haven't got your Bible out by now or your device pointed there, go ahead and do that. We're going to start in verse 6. Start in verse 6. Out of reverence for God's word, I would ask that you stand as we read the scripture this morning, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's just, let me say that again. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead! And Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father, As we discuss today these words given to us, may you be found in the midst of them, speaking to hearts and speaking to minds, despite what I say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we're we're still in the book of Ephesians. A few weeks ago when I I spoke, I talked a little bit about... um, 
the book of Ephesians and, and maybe who wrote it and maybe who didn't write it. Paul's the traditional author. Um, and, and I talked about the two segments of Ephesians, and, and that's what I really hope you've noticed, that if we, if we dive into one through three, we're going to get a, a very different picture of this letter to the Ephesians than if we dive into to chapters four through six. So my, my first sermon was in that first section, and my, and my second section is is in this, this latter section of the, of the scripture. If you do Friday, if you do Friday's reading, I hope you notice that shift. It's a lot easier to notice when you read the whole way through that, that it definitely shifts between chapters three and four. Um, but four and six are, are looking forward. They're offering counsel. They're, they're instructing us for this life of following Christ and living in his way. Um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you've noticed that, sw- that switch. Um, I'm reading this book by N.T. Wright, um, a famous, very scholarly New Testament guy who knows way more than he should. Um, But the name of the book is called How God Became King. It was actually recommended to me by somebody in the room, and I'm not going to out that person because I don't want them to feel weird about that. But the writings credited to Paul... um, in the Bible have these big statements, these big instructions, very ideological, very crisp, and, and they make for great memory verses uh, because Paul, Paul tells it like it is. Paul just lays it right out there for, for you, and, and, and they're good, and they're beneficial, and they instruct us, and they give us life, and they're foundational to what we believe. But held in contrast to the Gospels, the Gospels tell a very different story. The Gospels are the life of Jesus and how he fleshed out this life in and amongst people, told with stories, told with parables, given examples. It's a very, very human part of Scripture. So you have Paul who's very much instructing. This is this, A, and then B, and then C. We're even going to deal with some of these today, some of these lists that Paul gives. And, and Jesus just lives the life. He just lives the life. And so we hold in contrast these two portions of Scripture, and it's really important to, to have both of those. And we're going to get to both of those today. But as you read Paul and as he's talking, I want you to, this just kind of has changed how I look at the writings of Paul as I've read this book, not that it's any less authoritative, not that it holds any less credence in our lives. In fact, a lot of the Christian creeds are based a lot on what Paul says, and yet we color those with the life of Christ, and we see how it's lived out in the life of Christ. Um, and so that, that's colored my thinking as, we, as we've gone through this passage, as I've gone through this passage today. Um, but but the writer of Ephesians is very Pauline in, in writing these lists. I want to look at some of these. So hopefully you still have your Bible open, and we're going to go back to, to, to Ephesians. So the context of this passage really goes back into chapter 4, and, and we start getting some of these lists. Look at verse 29. Verse 29, it says this. He's got these, these good lists and these bad lists. Actually, he does bad lists first, and then he does good lists. Verse 29, unwholesome talk. That's bad. We don't want to do that. Don't do the unwholesome talk thing. No. But the good, what comes out of our mouth? That which is helpful. 
verse 29, that which is helpful. Look at verse 31, bad list. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Then he gets to the good list. What should do, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And then on to verse 3, it says this, another bad list. Among you, no sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed uh, improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. Um, and, yeah. and then he jumps over to the good list. What should we have instead? And Avi says, Thanksgiving. So we have all of these lists from Paul. Um, just... Just this, this great, uh, have nothing to do with all this stuff over here. And, and instead, everything over here. Life's good. It's rosy. We're happy. We're all happy family. It's good. It reminds me of some people's Facebook account, right? <laughs> What's the stuff you post on Facebook, right? Facebook, Instagram. Oh, look, we're happy. We're smiling. Like right afterwards, Tommy poked Susie in the eye, and Susie starts crying and hits Tommy. And... It's a mess, right? That's not what we post on Facebook. We post the happy stuff, the good stuff over here, not the bad stuff. Don't worry. If you're looking at this, these two lists, and you say, man, I'm over here too much, and I mean, I do the Facebook thing right over here and, and show all that stuff, but sometimes, sometimes life's not all about this side. Sometimes I'm over here as well on these bad lists. Don't worry. Ephesians sets us free a little bit later. But the writer's angle, the writer's message is clear that we're, we're to put off this old life. We're to set aside and lay aside these things and to embrace this new and that's really what he talked about through all of chapter 4 or the last part of chapter 4 and even into 5 is get away from this stuff and get into this stuff. And then, he's, then he changes his direction. Then he flips the switch and he starts talking about light. And that's really where we, we jump into scripture here. He switches the imagery to light and dark, that light represents this new life and darkness represents this old. In, uh, in verse 7, it says this about this old, this old way of life. It says this, Therefore, do not be partners with them. In context, verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, because such things, such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That word partners, really, English doesn't handle it well, okay? Partners talks about just being in lockstep with these deeds of darkness that it's talking about. It's only used one other place in, uh, in Scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 3, um, and it, it's when it's talking about how the church is now Jews and Gentiles, that there's no difference, but they walk together, it's the only other place in Scripture that that Greek word is used. And now he's saying this, don't, don't live that way. Don't walk with those deeds. Don't let that become the norm in your life. Do not be partners with them. 
um, it says, have, have nothing to do with those deeds, okay? Um, and, and here it comes, the dark and the light imagery. One of the core messages of Jesus' gospel, of Jesus' way of doing life, has everything to do with light. I, I, I looked in, in I kind of keep a list of, of the times that I've preached. I actually got to preach Fourth of July Sunday last year. I don't know, you probably don't remember. It's okay. I won't hold it against you. Uh, but 52 weeks ago, I said something that was really good, and I just wanted to say it again because it was really good. One of the, one of the messages of the gospel, this, this is the reality of Jesus' way, that light overcomes darkness, that good overcomes evil, that grace overcomes sin, and life overcomes death. I want you to write that on a post-it note somewhere. Stick it somewhere. That light overcomes darkness. That good overcomes evil. That grace overcomes sin. And life overcomes death. I'm convinced I need to read that every day. Every day, believing that the gospel of Jesus Christ makes a difference and has power in our lives. I challenge you to get the recording, write that out on a post-it note, and put it somewhere, um, and, and, and it'll help. This is good news. This is the gospel that we preach. Sometimes I think the gospel gets so cloudy, but that makes it so clear. Light overcomes darkness, and I think the writer of Ephesians had, had caught that. I, I think that he understood, but light, why light? Why are we children of light Light does a lot of good things. The writer talks about some of the things that light does. Did you catch it? Look at verse 8 and 9. End of 8 into 9. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, in all righteousness, and in all truth. That is the fruit of light. Why are we children of light? The reason we're children of light is that light leads us somewhere. It leads us into goodness. It leads us into righteousness. And it leads us toward truth. And those are pretty good places to live. Those are pretty good places to live. But it calls those things the fruit of life. Who can tell me where fruit grows? On a tree, on a plant, somewhere, right? <laughs> I am not a gardener. That might shock some of you, but I am not a gardener. I don't have a brown thumb. I don't even think I have a black thumb. I think I have a roundup thumb. I don't know. I think I have two of them. You're not supposed to use roundup because it has chemicals or something. I don't know about that whole narrative. But, but I can't grow anything. I can't grow anything. Maybe some of you relate to this. But we have two flower pots outside of our front door. We have two flower pots outside our front door. Those things only need one thing. I mean, they're, they're seasonal. You expect them to last for one season. All you got to do is one thing. Water them. All you got to do is water them, Freebird. I was doing great, guys. I really was. Uh, colorful and beautiful. And then I forgot for four days. And I looked down. I walk by them every day. I've just, my wife, my wife laughs at me for this. I talk to the plants when I water them. 
Does anybody talk to plants while you water them? Okay, thank you. I feel validated. It's fantastic. I talk to the plants while I water them. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that it helps me remember when I've forgotten them and I feel bad for the plants. Um, but I talk to the plants when I water them and I feed them and they grow. And we have some color back in the bowls. You'll be happy to know. You can drive by the house or come over and, and check out the flower bowls. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. I'm not... I'm not a gardener, and I don't cultivate fruit, literal fruit, very well. I don't have, plants don't like me, round up thumbs, okay? But the same is true with us, that we have to cultivate fruit. To get the pretty flowers, we got to do. To get the pretty flowers, to get the fruit, we got to do. Look back at verse 9. If you look in verse 9, again, going to NIV, this whole verse is in parentheses for me, right? This whole thing about fruit. For the fruit of life exists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Let's read it without the parentheses and see what it says. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Do you want to know how to cultivate light in your life? Do you want to know how to live as children of light? Listen to the last half of that sentence. Find out what pleases the Lord. And here we go. Here's the freedom. Here's the freedom that, we're, that I was talking about. This is the freedom that Ephesians turns us loose on. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for the person who wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Look outside. Go look at the Gospels. Find out what pleases God. Do you know what Jesus said about his life? He said, if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. Look at me, Jesus said. Jesus, the one who, how he had, the, the one who treated the woman at the well like she wasn't the scandalous woman from town. Look at Jesus, the one who who treated, look at how he treated the woman caught in adultery. Look how he treated the thief on the cross. Look at the parables he taught about the lost coin and the lost sheep. What about the one about the good Samaritan? The Samaritan was the outcast, the shunned from society. Jews would not do anything for those people. <laughs> they would alter their trip to go around Samaria because they didn't want to walk through. That's how bad it was. And that's the good example that Jesus gave in the parable of the Good Samaritan. These are the stories that capture the phrase, what pleases the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord to cultivate the fruit that he talks about, goodness, and righteousness and truth. I think we need to be careful with those fruit. I think we need to be careful with those fruit. Jesus' goodness was not a badge of honor that he wore to elevate himself. Jesus' righteousness did not prevent him from dining with those that had no framework for faith and were living in sin. Jesus' truth was never used as a weapon to attack another who was mistaken. 
Those are, I got to read those again. I'm sorry. Jesus' goodness was not a badge of honor that he wore to elevate himself. Jesus' righteousness did not prevent him from dining with those that had no framework, no desire for faith, and were living in sin. And Jesus' truth was never used as a weapon to attack another person who was mistaken. Friends, I've, <laughs> I've seen these fruit misused. I've seen these fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth misused. These fruit of light, when mixed with pride, become misguided and can be used inappropriately. So as you cultivate these fruit by finding out what pleases the Lord, by looking at the life of Jesus, use them like Jesus did. Use them like Jesus did. As he gets done talking about the, the fruit of light, this passage, he gets back into some of the darkness stuff again. He goes back and talks about, uh, about darkness. Here we find out that we're supposed to have nothing to do with darkness. Let's look back at the text. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in darkness. Darkness produced fruitless deeds. Do you see the contrast? Light, the fruit of light, goodness and righteousness and truth, all these beautiful things, all these things that fruit is, is beneficial. It tastes good. <laughs> it feeds my body. It's better for me than Snickers bars and popcorn. It's good. And darkness. I'll throw Coke in there too. I know what you guys were all thinking. <laughs> I hear that. In darkness over here, what does it say? Fruitless deeds. They're just deeds, they produce nothing. They're no good for nothing. Fruitless deeds, that's what the darkness produces. What a difference, guys. The fruit of light and the deeds of darkness. And he says, have nothing to do with those deeds. Instead, expose them. But don't talk about them. Now, that's an interesting, <laughs> that's an interesting parallel. I'm supposed to expose the deeds of darkness, but not utter a word about them. I think some of us get caught up in exposing and we just end up talking about all the darkness. And I offer, this, this was a discovery for me this week, I offer that perhaps the writer of Ephesians is saying, live your life so full of light that the light will be shown on the darkness. You don't even have to utter the word. I've seen people in the guise of accountability, in the guise of true love, means I gotta have hard conversations with people. Just hurt people in that effort to expose deeds of darkness. And I offer that most of the time, there's, there's, there's a place for that, friends, but most of the time, 
Paul or the writer of Ephesians said, all you got to do is live your life in the light. Let the fruit do the work. Let the fruit do the work on the deeds. And that's how you expose them. There's a horrible little terrible theology song. You guys know it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. We don't have to sing the whole thing. It's okay. Don't let your light be little. Don't let your light be little. This isn't going to expose anything. I want to be a halogen high beam. You know, the drivers that don't turn them off when you're driving on that two-lane road? You're like, ah! That's how I want my light to be described. Not that I want to make other people go, ah! Okay. (laughs) I'm compelled on this day, this July 2nd day, this is the kind of Christ follower that our country needs today. Ones that are filled with light. Petri dishes for the fruit of life that we've already talked about. Fruit of goodness, fruit of righteousness, and fruit of truth. We need beacons of hope and grace today in this country. We live in a difficult time. We live in a time where platforms abound by which we get to share our story or make our point. And too often, (laughs) we share our story or we tell our side or we send this zinger that will convince everybody that I am right. And I'm sure everybody that follows you on Facebook will now suddenly agree with you because you posted that. I don't think that's how it works. And I don't think that's a good representation of light in this country today. I could be wrong, and I might get in trouble. It's okay. Sidebar, one of the scariest things to realize about the life of Jesus, remember when we were talking about the life of Jesus, the the time that people always point to says, sometimes there's a reason for righteous anger, right? What do they point to? Cleaning of the temple, right? Right? (laughs) Jesus' strongest reactions were saved for when the faith community got it wrong. He flipped the tables. He got out the whip. He started clearing the temple. That's telling that his strongest reactions were for when the faith community got it wrong. That's a sidebar. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone there. Um, It'll never happen. I know it'll never happen. I, I tend to be more of a realist than an optimist, which sounds like pessimist to optimists, but, and so maybe I am. Um, I know it will never will, but when I think about light, I dream of a faith community where we become champions of listening, where we become champions of, of listening. Tell me about that. Every conversation isn't about sharing your view, but trying to understand where people are coming from, listening well. I think that's a great representation of light and what the Lord would have us to do in the midst of difficult times in this country. Help me understand. 
I truly believe that every party, every platform, every ideology has Christians who fully support that and that their faith has led them to that place. And when I take time to listen well, that I grow. That I grow from listening to them and to understanding them. And I think that's very faithful representation of who we can be. That, that living as children of light, making gracious and spacious places to talk and to share and to grow together as we hear the heart of another person is very Christ-like. It's very very faithful to what we've been called to. I could talk more, but I'm just going to get myself in further trouble, so I won't. As much as I believe that this is exactly what this country needs, because July 2nd, I also believe that this is exactly what the church needs. That the church needs people who are committed to living as children of light. We trudge around, bumping our shins on furniture sometimes in the dark, wondering why in the world is this place so dark? Never realizing that sometimes we live just how the world lives in the midst of it. The lists earlier in chapter 4 and earlier in chapter 5 end up sounding a little too familiar to me sometimes that I find myself in the same boat and that I really want to live as a child of light. When I get angry or irritated with someone I'm working with, when I lose patience with the kids, when I'm, I'm driven crazy by my parents who just don't seem to understand, when change isn't happening and I'm stuck in a rut, I catch myself surrounded of my own accord by fruitless deeds of darkness and not the fruit of light. I want the fruit of light. What does the author say? Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead! And Christ will shine on you. And those are halogen high beams, folks. Those are halogen. It's not your light. Did you hear that? It's not even your light. You do have a job. When the call is sound, when the alarm goes off, is not your job. (laughs) Hitting the snooze button is not your job. You have a job. Wake up. Rise up when the call comes out, when the alarm goes off. Do your part. Wake up. But the light doesn't come from you. The light of Christ will shine in us and through us. In the original text even, these are action verbs that require initiative an agency on our part to rise up, to wake up. That's our job. And the fruit of being a child of light will be cultivated in us, and we do our part in cultivating. Water those plants, Freeburg, every day. And it'll make a difference. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up here uh, as we close today. I, I, I wanted to read you an alternate translation, a paraphrase of, of this passage of Scripture. It comes from the message uh, translation of the Bible. Eugene Peterson wrote this a number of years ago, um, and it's, it's fantastic. Um, 
If, if you have not got a copy of that, you can get one for free, or you can look up scriptures for free on BibleGateway.com. Um, I love that site. Use it all the time to get different translations and try to understand just the different flavors of scripture. Um, but his paraphrase, eight, verses 8 through 14, says this. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. Would you stand for prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and thank you for how you call us to a new way of life. Would you bless us this week? Bless us by just giving us the alarm. Help us to make the choice. I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna rise up, I'm gonna climb out of the coffin this day. And may your light shine in me today and then tomorrow, and then the next day. But today, we focus on today. We love you. <laughs> We're not sure why, why you trust us so much, but we love you. May our lives reflect your goodness, your righteousness, and your truth this day and every day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.